The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 841 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, talented, and scholarly Brittany Page. Well, we hope everyone has been having a happy holiday season. A warm one. Staying warm. <laughs> not not super warm here. In fact, our dishwasher froze because it was so cold. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing, but we tried to start it and it was making noises like help me i'm trying and no water was coming out it and took the holiday off as well yeah <laughs> yeah we're like dumping hot water in it cuz google said that was a thing that you could do you know we 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 are not uh, I think it worked. great with the dishwasher do you not think it worked well i think what worked more is me running the hot water in the sink that is next to the dishwasher oh, i don't know yeah. i who knows i don't know i have no i have no knowledge you know about what would be great is if either one of us was smart <laughs> That would be fantastic. It would be pretty nice. Not the case, though. Yeah. <laughs> I did love... Sweepy doesn't mind the cold. She, in fact, loves to stay outside. And maybe it's because she knows that it is torturous for me. And she loves <laughs> when I'm tortured. But she gets a lot of attention still when she's outside. And people will stop and talk to her. And... There was one guy that stopped to talk to her, and and he was asking Sweepy where the Christmas tree is. He's like, where's the Christmas tree? Like, talking to Sweepy. And whenever that happens, I'm always like, "Is do they want... Should I volunteer an answer? Should I jump in there and say... Why would you interrupt a conversation between two, I, two individuals? I don't... There's just things that people ask Sweepy that I'm like, she's not... That's not, she's not going to tell you. <laughs> she's not going to answer that question. Do you, is that a question for me, but you're asking it to her? I don't know what's going on. It's, I think, akin to like a child. Like, oh, what did you get for Christmas? When the kid, no way, is going to be communicating that complex information. Yeah. And the parent, oh, blah, blah, blah. But you don't want to. <laughs> well, one, we can't. So many people stop. It's like Sweepy is a celebrity mm-hmm. in the front yard. Mm-hmm. So it would be you interrupting dozens of conversations. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think for the most part, I do answer the questions. And then they kind of look at me like, I'm not, this isn't. Also, which questions do you answer? Like, oh, you're a good girl, huh? Yes, she is a good girl. Yes. You mark that on your list. Yep, that that's correct. I mean, I'm tempted to. I'm tempted to do that. I did have a guy, he stopped and he said that I should get her a skateboard because bulldogs are natural skateboarders and that I could have her skateboarding in a month. That's what he said to me. He's like, you could have her skateboarding in a month. He actually started it by, did you know? Yeah. Don't you know? This is a fact I'm getting ready to tell you. Yeah. And he also, what did he say? Oh, it was because he says their legs are naturally, when they stand on the skateboard, each leg is over one of the wheels, which actually makes a little bit of sense. Sure. But he was most certainly ready to, I think he was a rep for some Amazon company that sells skateboards. (laughs) But who knows? Yeah, I mean, I've seen a handful of bulldogs that are famous on social media for skateboarding but i don't know if that translates into bulldogs having a natural ability to skateboard yeah just because a a couple of them do although 
there does seem to be a a, a disproportionate amount uh, number of bulldogs. Yeah. Doing the skateboarding. Yeah. They're, they're not chihuahuas out there. Yeah, I forgot the name of the one who is, like, obsessed with his skateboard. They can't show it to him until they're, like, Yeah, outside. he attacks it like that one bulldog attacks uh, trash cans in the street. Yeah, his name is, like, a food item, I think. Like, cheeseburger or <laughs> chowder, maybe? Chowder? Does that I sound right? <laughs> I think naming a dog cheeseburger is pretty great, though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, wow. For our next dog, for our next So one. Christmas was good. Yeah. We hope you guys had a great Christmas. Mm-hmm. That is... Uh, or other holidays, whatever whatever you celebrate. No, Brittany. Only Christmas. Mm-hmm. We must only wish people a Merry Christmas. Yeah. I hear you on that. This show is a Christian show. Is it? Well, you know. <laughs> I uh, I didn't know that. That's, that's surprising. Yeah. Given all the uh, criticism of Christianity that well, is on the show. come on now. You need to get more into the Christmas spirit. Like Greg Abbott. You'd be more a Christian, Christmassy Christian like Greg Abbott, Brittany. Yeah. Well, that is, I mean, we might as well just kind of get into it then if you're going to be introing some of the topics on, on oh, the episode on the, today. is it course, on the block here? Of course here? it is. Yeah. Oh, all right. Because we also talked about how cold it's been here. It has been very cold and not just because we're whiny. It has genuinely been cold. It, yeah. With the wind chill, negative zero. I mean, at one point it was like negative five or negative eight. Yeah. I mean, it, with the wind chill, we we actually walked to get dinner on Christmas Day, and it wasn't too bad when we walked to dinner. But then walking home, it was substantially yeah, yeah, yeah. more cold, and it was like painful to walk in the cold. It, it it was it was not good. So it has been very cold here. And what did Greg Abbott decide to do? Well, he decided to pull his little stunt again and drop off two busloads of migrants in front of the vice president's residence. And we have breaking news in Northwest D.C. where two busloads of migrants were dropped off in the freezing cold right in front of the vice president's residence this Christmas Eve. Both buses arrived within the past few hours at the Naval Observatory in Northwest D.C. It's not clear where the buses originated, but earlier this year, Texas Governor Greg Abbott sent bus of migrants to the very same location. CNN reports some of the migrants were seen standing outside shivering with blankets before being taken to local shelters. Not just shivering with blankets, but wearing like t-shirts. And you know, they got bussed from Texas mm-hmm. where the, the weather is decidedly warmer. Mm-hmm. And Greg Abbott, lover of Jesus Christ, worshiper of Jesus Christ, celebrated his God's birthday the celebration of the birth of Jesus by shipping. And a lot of the media is getting this wrong. They're just just calling them migrants. These are asylum seekers. These are people who are here legally uh, seeking asylum from the countries from which they came. Venezuela, Nicaragua, Peru, Ecuador, Cuba, and women and children and infants in single-digit weather, getting dropped off, just, ah, see you later. Fend for yourselves. Mm-hmm. Unconscionable. Yeah, and like we said, in, in the freezing cold, and they're being kind of generous when they talk about these blankets. I mean, they were like... Sheets. Yeah, it was like giving someone a flat sheet to to cuddle up with and try to get warmth, and that's... Not going to work uh, in those temperatures, for sure. Yeah, and I, there's people that support this which is even more disturbing. I mean, it would be one thing if Greg Abbott was just this tyrant who like loved doing this. And there's actually significant numbers of people that support yeah. this and think that this is something that, that should be happening. In fact, you did a video on Christmas about it. Mm-hmm. And we got emails saying that they actually don't think it's it's such a bad thing what he's doing and that they're... Um, the people are being sent to more liberal cities where they can have more uh, resources, like almost okay, making an argument. Right. Like it's it's a beneficial thing. Like he's trying to help them. He's trying to do right by them by sending them to the vice president's house in the middle of the night. As on though Christmas that's Eve. not just a fucking stunt. Right. Of course. At the expense of desperate people seeking refuge because of the dangerous situations in their in their home countries. Right. The other thing that that. I think gets lost a lot of times because it gets said so much or because it's been said so many times over the over the past is 
being in the country illegally, there, there is no being in the country illegally. It's not a crime to be here without a visa or, or papers. Crossing the border is the illegal thing, which is can conservatives would have you believe that it's like capital, it's a capital offense. It's like driving without a license. Mm-hmm. It's not some serious, insane, oh, we can deal with this very serious crime mm-hmm. crossing the border. It's a misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. And there is no law against being in the country without authorization. It's just the crossing of the border. Well, this- So it's just uh, a fucking nightmare for these people. Well, it also begs the question of were these people scammed into getting on the buses like has happened previously? Were they told where they were going? Were they given honest, actual, accurate information about where they were going and what would be happening once they got there? Or were they lied to and convinced to get on a bus and then sent to D.C. so that all the cameras would be out in front of the vice president's house on Christmas Eve? Yeah. Three buses. 150 plus people. It's just, it, not just inhumane, but to do it on Christmas while tens of thousands of Texans are without power because of Texas's seeming uh, inability to keep the grid up with with uh, any level of inclement weather. It's just a, a, a bizarre alignment of priorities for Greg Abbott. Yeah. So we we don't want this episode to be, <laughs> we're like coming off the holidays, it's supposed to be celebration time. Uh, we don't want it to be something that weighs you down, but we do have a little bit of follow-up because we talked on previous on a previous episode about the woman who was arrested for not paying her trash bill, the, the elderly woman who was arrested. And they have since released body camera footage. And as you're listening to this, because you're not watching it, I just want to kind of paint a picture for you. The officer is standing in front of her explaining, handing her the the warrant for her arrest and explaining to her that they're going to have to take her into custody and put her in handcuffs. And the woman is just staring at the document and then staring at the police officer like can't figure out if like how this is happening. She's just in disbelief. So when you hear these periods of silence, just envision this woman completely confused about how it is that she f- is finding herself in a place where not paying her trash bill is resulting in an arrest. I'm not joking. So you go to handcuff me and take me to jail. Yes, ma'am. I got to. What if I made it? I'm <laughs> serious. It's a warrant. Uh, Fair to pay solid waste. Here's all, all your information. That's how I knew your address was where to come. You sure you got a phone call from the code enforcement about a month ago saying, hey, you need to come pay your trash bill. Reason I'm not saying the same because my daughter takes care of that for me. Yes. You know, I, I, I'm just saying. Okay, well, she has not been doing it. And you gotta go with me today. Anything you need to grab right quick, you can. And, um. I can't believe We'll be going on down the way. So, what would I have to pay? It'll be $285 to get out at the PD. If not, I have to take it to the county jail. Oh, Lord. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna put you on these right quick. Okay, they're gonna be in the front. Oh, I, I got you. I got you. Okay, I'm appreciating yourself. Arresting. I am so. I am so sorry, but the law is the law, Miss Man. Sorry, Miss Man. If you gotta, you're ready to go. Okay. Okay. What's that? Key. They arrested me for not paying my trash bill. And you know, friends always pay my So remember, it's a $77 trash bill. 83-year-old lady. Yeah, 
82 or 83, and this happened in Alabama, and the officer is, I mean, laughing and saying, I'm, I'm serious. I'm going to have to do this. Like, I, I don't know if it's a nervous laugh. I don't, I don't know what it is, yeah. but still laughing at arresting an 82, 83-year-old woman for an unpaid $77 trash bill. I mean, does, does, is that serving and protecting? Like, did that right. officer feel like, you know, I went to work today and I really protected this community. I did what I had to right. do. Yeah. Like, no, you, you're, you're doing worthless, damaging tasks. That's what you're doing. Yeah, well, you're a, you're a jackbooted fucking agent of the state, an armed agent of the state that is oppressing human beings over $77 trash bills. Right, and then you heard in there, she asked the question, like, how much am I going to end up having to owe? And I, it wasn't clear to me if they were talking about bail or, or what they were talking about there. And the officer gave a figure of hundreds of dollars, like $250. And she looks at him and just is in complete disbelief. Like, I'm I'm being arrested because I didn't pay $77, but now I'm going to have to come up with, like, hundreds of dollars? Right. She's in the system now. That's not possible. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's akin to some of the, if you, if you get pulled over and you you can't pay the ticket and then they take your license and then it costs money to get the license back and then you're you're just in the system um they should be ashamed of themselves yeah we have another piece of follow up before we really get into the meat of the show and that is just this is kind of a <laughs> we're going to get into the show meat you guys Martin Shkreli oh i saw this do you remember Martin Shkreli yeah the pharma Pharma bro. Pharma bro, right. Who who jacked up the price of some anti-parasite drug like 5,000%. Yeah, he was sentenced to prison for securities fraud. He has since been released from prison. He got released, I think, in May of this year. And now because the Sam Bankman uh, freed is going to be soon sentenced to prison. Yeah, the, the, the former CEO of FTX, the crypto exchange or whatever the fuck are they calling him crypto bro since <laughs> since martin screlly is pharma bro i don't know oh, they're both just loser scammers though yeah so martin screlly i guess is like a prison consultant now and so he of course he, he is he, he made an appearance where he is apparently giving advice to uh sbf is what they call the sam bankman freed and he's giving advice about how sbf can basically just survive when he is sentenced to prison Sam isn't exactly going to be somebody that fits into prison. You know, <laughs> my advice for him includes shaving his head. Uh, my advice for him includes uh, deepening his voice. Sam is going to have a lot of issues because he's a bit of an effeminate guy. And um, his, his sort of demeanor. Wait, 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 wait. He's, a, he's sort of an effeminate guy. On Does Martin Screlly think that he is the... The poster boy for traditional masculinity years? What, what is... I mean, I'm not sure why you're questioning the prison consultant here. After all, he is the one that was just released from and prison. Shave your head. Why is it? Your hair's too curly. It's too curly for prison, SBF. I think he's getting at... He like should try to pass as a Nazi, maybe, or something. I don't know. what I don't know what he's getting at here. <laughs> let's let him... Let's let him continue with his... Consultation. Um, some people say autistic sort of sense uh, or sensibility is not something that goes over well in prison. He also doesn't know anything about the streets and sort of criminal culture, which my advice to him is to pick those things up as quickly as he can. He should be listening to as much rap music as possible. He should be trying to learn everything there is to know about gangs, about the tough neighborhoods in every major city. This sounds funny, but this could save your life. Yeah, there's nothing more cool or tough about someone that approaches like a prison gang once they're finally in and starts reciting like the Wikipedia pages of the roughest neighborhoods in America. Right, right. <laughs> he better study up. He better have the facts ready because as soon as he approaches them, they want to hear those facts. Which ward are you from in New Orleans or, or Houston? <laughs> well, wh where are you from in Chicago? Oh, I, I know. Oh, is that the cross streets of blah, 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 blah? <laughs> Oh, it's going to be good. This is good advice. I hope that Martin Shkreli is not making um, good money with this terrible <laughs> advice for people going into prison. Yeah. Well, 
I, again, I, I I take your point because I think Martin Shkreli is five seven, according to what Google says here, and in pr- a, a slight human being. Yeah, he's small, and in prison you are supposed to perform the most extreme elements of masculinity. Is I think what he's getting at. Yeah. I don't know that. I mean, I have never been to prison, <laughs> so I can't. What? Speak. Wait, what? I, I'm not a prison consultant. <laughs> Um, I do have criminal family members who have yeah. been to prison and hearing stories from them and, and being around them, there is an element to what Martin Shkreli is saying, certainly in terms of the masculinity element. Yeah, but he's he's saying it in the narkiest of all narc ways. It's not like legitimate advice. I mean, th- this is akin to him saying, find the biggest, toughest motherfucker on the first day and just punch him in the face because you got to let him know you're there. You're somebody to be reckoned with. This is terrible advice. Yeah, and that's what I was getting at is that the people that I know would listen to this and think it was very funny, especially coming from someone who looks like Martin Shkreli. Yes. Well, the other thing is, look, Criminals, people in prison, whatever, uh, people who who are street smart are going to be able to see through some patina <laughs> of authenticity, some some veneer, some fake uh, put on thing of being street smart or SBF's understanding of the different gang neighborhoods in every major city across the country. Someone's not going to be fooled by that. That he'll be targeted because of that. Yes, yes. And that's coming from me with my vast knowledge of prison life. <laughs> oh, boy. Yikes. I also think it's played up a lot because I, I did work for years in a court-mandated program where I worked with people who were um, not in prison but, you know, in jail and spent significant amounts of time in jail as well and not in southern california jails aren't like your local rural county jail yeah and i mean not everyone needs to do this right i mean if you just keep your head down and and you you mind your own business and you're not getting involved in things you know you don't need to desperately try to find a way to shave your head and like I, I don't know study up on I mean you're you don't need to have conversations with people <laughs> like yeah you can keep your head down and just find people in a natural way rather well, than trying to signal your Wikipedia knowledge it's such a a one percenters idea of like ah, I've watched a whole bunch of movies now I understand prison yeah you know mm-hmm. it just <laughs> fucking Martin Shkreli, everybody. Good for a laugh, though. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. At that number, you can leave us a voice memo or a voicemail. The voicemail part comes in on idoubtit at dollamore.com. You can email a voice memo from your smartphone. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash podcast. We would like to give a shout out to our new Patreon supporters, Melissa M. Melissa M. Peter S. Peter S. Deb M. Deb M. Brian L. Brian L. And a nameless person. How'd that, how's that work? You can just not put a name when Blank. you when you become a Patreon supporter. So thank you to that person who did not put their name. Fantastic. You know who you are. And thank you to Mickey S. Mickey S. Thank what did Mickey S. do? Uh, increased the pledge. Yes. On Patreon. So we did get the, I almost said what they were. <laughs> I had to stop myself, slow down in my brain. We did get the Patreon end of your gift. And we are waiting on our envelopes to arrive. Yes. So that we can start stuffing said envelopes and sending out the end of your They're gift. They're special padded 
envelopes to protect the item yes. that is inside. <laughs> we did. It is a big old box that yeah. came filled with hundreds of these items. Yes, hundreds of the items. So once you all start to receive them, you can post them. Yeah, it's we, not like, in fact, we encourage that. Yeah, you don't need to wait. So as soon as people start getting them, you know, you can even have it be a competition of the first one to post it is going to be <laughs> ruining the surprise for everyone. It's going to be great. And remember... Spoiler alerts are, are encouraged in this case. Sure. You have until January 31st, Sweepy's birthday, to become a new Patreon supporter for any amount. Any amount. New Patreon supporter, and you will be getting the end of the year gift. So until January 31st, we are running this special deal on Patreon and you can get in on it if you become a Patreon supporter by January 31st on Sweepy's birthday. Please ensure that your address is updated. If you cannot figure out how to update your address, then please send us a message on Patreon and I will make sure that as we are doing the envelopes, it goes to the right place. Thank you so much for your support. We could not do it without you. We're really excited about 2023, not only because we are going into it with Jesse being can'ts free. Can'ts. But. Sans can'ts. Yes, but we have big things planned, including a move, which is going to be not as hectic because we have overlap in our two places, so it shouldn't be disruptive to our schedules. And once we get moved, it's going to be a more permanent studio situation where right now it has felt very haphazard still. We've kind of complained about some of the problems we've had since moving to the to the place where we are now. And it just hasn't been an ideal setup. So we're actually... Just a lot of moving. I mean, we moved at the end of 2020. We moved at the end of 2021. And now we're going to be moving at the end of 2022 to a new place, but again, a more permanent setup for both studios, YouTube and and the podcast, where we can uh, we're filming on a regular basis. It'll be a an awesome setup. We're yeah. very excited about it. Yeah, it's going to be just plug and play situation. Everything's going to be where it needs to be. Is plug and play the? Yeah, that works. I guess. What's the th- phrase I'm trying to? I, I I mean that turnkey plug and play just a. Uh, you flip on the lights and hit record. It's going to be a, a real good situation. <laughs> so stay tuned for our adventures with that. And again, thank you guys so much. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. The January 6th committee released their final report and basically said, listen, Donald Trump is the one to blame for all of this. And it ruined Donald Trump's holiday. Good evening. Well, as much of the country prepares to dig into Christmas Eve dinner, Washington is digging through thousands of pages of transcripts just (laughs) dropped from the January 6th committee Uh. as the committee is all but done with its work. I was becoming increasingly concerned that we were damaging his legacy. One of Donald Trump's closest advisors, former White House Communications Director Hope Hicks, says the former president felt he was being unfairly blamed for the January 6th riot at the Capitol, asking, was it really as bad as everyone was making it out to be? That's among the revelations in newly released transcripts from dozens of witnesses to the January 6th committee. Hicks also texted a colleague, quote, in one day, the president ended every future opportunity that doesn't include speaking engagements at the local Proud Boys chapter. In another new transcript, former first daughter Ivanka Trump told the committee she didn't know or didn't recall over and over again when asked directly about conversations with her father. On social media, the former president slammed the committee's work. Most importantly, the unselect committee did not produce a single shred of evidence that I in any way intended or wanted violence at our Capitol. Christina, the committee has also made criminal referrals to the Justice Department. What now? Well, the committee will officially dissolve when the Republicans take over the House next month, and it will be up to the Justice Department's special counsel to decide whether the former president is indicted. Robert? Christina Ruffini, thank you. A lot here. Um, The most important element about the referral, the criminal referral to the Justice Department, isn't that uh, their evidence carries any more weight or that they're 
obviously Congress doesn't have prosecutorial authority or power at all. It's the fact that they took hundreds of hours of sworn depositions, uh, sworn testimony, sworn statements that are going to be combed over, and those are as good as if the Justice Department took those depositions, asked those questions. Um, It's still under penalty of perjury that they gave that testimony. Also, I think there's a lot of elements that were looked into through reporting and then on to Congress that gives the Justice Department a leg up here in this investigation. But let me ask, let me ask the question, who are these deluded motherfuckers to be talking about? We were just very worried about his damaging his legacy. Like he had a positive legacy to look forward to before the insurrection. Right. What this is, is the ship was sinking and the rats were jumping from the ship. Mm -hmm. That's what this is. Mm -hmm. They, because if you didn't know Donald Trump was a dangerous, fascistic piece of shit in his first day, his first year, his first two years in office, and it took you until the insurrection to realize it, you don't belong anywhere near government or governance. Mm Mm-hmm gross yeah well donald trump is running for president i don't know if you know he's he's running for president in 2024 it's weird because we we don't really see him yeah and you know if you're not on truth social you don't really hear from him either so it's kind of nice he's like running for president but is he really i don't what what is he actually doing olivia newsy did that uh, that that write-up that that piece i think in new york magazine and quoted some advisor where he said well the magic is gone with donald trump yeah, isn't it about how lonely he is and how he doesn't really like leave Mar-a-Lago and Yeah, well, he does leave Mar-a-Lago, but it's to go down to Doral in Miami, like just his other property. Mm-hmm. It's back and forth between the two. Mm-hmm. You know, and good. I hope he is a miserable, sad and lonely depressed out of his tree. I I hope for that. I hope that for him. Well, I mean, who honestly, who wants that? Is the president like this person who is sad, alone, reclusive, <laughs> and just like tweeting angry conspiratorial thoughts? I mean, please let's. Well, no, not just conspiratorial, clairvoyant. Mm. On Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve <laughs> evening, he he put some post out calling himself clairvoyant. I did a video about it yesterday. And I asked the question. Like, to, to me, it's two things. One of two things. It's either he doesn't know what the fucking word means because he's such <laughs> a goddamn doofus. He just thought it looks nice. Or, or he really wants his like leaning into this culty spirit, spiritual. You know, because there's all this um, cult mythology around around QAnon. Right, right. I mean, even um, Roger Stone is saying that there's a literal portal to hell above the White House, like oh. literally. And you can see it if you have the special lens on your camera. It's craziness. Uh-huh. So there's a string that runs through MAGA world that I think would be like, yes, Donald Trump is psychic. He can see the future. He has premonitions. He's a prophet. And we're not far off that being what they're what they say. Yeah, yeah. Roger Stone sounds not well. No, he seems okay. He's a good guy. (laughs) So Donald Trump's running for president, and uh, several Republicans are now also weighing their 2024 presidential run. I can tell you that uh, uh, my wife and I will uh, take some time when our kids are home this Christmas. We're going to give prayerful consideration about Mm. what role we might play. Well, we are taking the holidays to kind of look at what the situation is. After months of teasing runs for the White House, some possible Republican contenders are now gathering around the holiday table, making a list and checking it twice. And I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. Former President Donald Trump, of course, is already in. So that complicates the decision. Who knows what nickname he might give you? Ronda Sanctimonious. And some party stars, GOP strategists say, might just wait months to decide. You haven't thought this through yet? No, no, no. But others, such as Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, are moving closer to taking on Trump. But first, that talk. Ultimately, it's a family decision. 
in your house, it seems, whether you run for president in 2024, but do you ultimately have veto power? <laughs> I guess I could. I could probably veto, but um, I'm going to really probably listen to the advice of the family. And, you know, I sometimes joke that uh, I might be the governor of Maryland, but I'm not the governor of my house. The first lady is sometimes <laughs> can, she has some veto power as well. Is she interested in the idea? We're, we're, we're going to probably, you know, spend some time thinking about it. And my wife actually says if it's in God's plan. So she's trying to punt on the decision and kick it over to uh, a higher power. And after a rough midterms for Trump's allies, rivals see an opening. The former president, he's already in the race. Does that intimidate you? Not at all. I mean, I first of all, he's the only one in the race, <laughs> and uh, he seems to be dropping every day. I think he's at his lowest point ever in popularity. Let's get this out of the way right away. Just because Larry Hogan is uh, more of a moderate Republican, certainly a Trump critic, does not make him an ally, does not make him um, hold the qualifications or the, or the demeanor to be president of these United States. It doesn't make him uh, desirable. And what is this? What is with this Mike Pence in the beginning of that? Oh, with prayerful consideration, Mother and I are going to, we're going to fall on our face before God and ask whether or not I'm allowed to run for president. What does that look like? Yeah. This is, (laughs) I hate the term virtue signaling, but I mean, what other term is there here? Yeah. For this. Well, they're waiting for an answer from God on whether God wants them to run president and i'm just since they know and and have direct communication with god i have other questions for god if they could maybe more important questions could they send in my questions with their prayerful request to (laughs) allow god to let them run for president what what do you want to know i i would like to know uh why does god allow suffering oh the big ones (laughs) the big questions the actual important questions and why i don't have more lobster rolls like on demand whenever i uh, for those of you who don't know, Brittany Page has a very lobster roll centric worldview. <laughs> <laughs> Concerned about the suffering of of humankind, and but not lobsters. Apparently. And where are the lobster rolls? Yeah, yeah. So no, the, what what you like? You like cruelty free lobster rolls? Like they just find the lobsters dead on the side of the road, <laughs> and then they harvest the delicious lobster. That meat. would be the ideal. That would be the ideal situation. So I want to criticize the media here a little bit because in this news package, which is from CBS News, they were talking about Donald Trump being a candidate for president. And they say, who knows what nickname he might give you? I know. Okay. What what are you doing? Have we have we not learned? They're playing into the circus sideshow. Yeah. Have we not learned the lessons? I mean, this isn't the real housewives of Washington, D.C. This is a presidential election. Although they definitely could cast a real housewives of Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. (laughs) If there's not already a real housewives of Palm Beach. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know a lot about the franchise, but I, I, anyway, proceed. I'm, yeah, I'm stepping on your dick here. That they're, Yeah, so anyway, the media often get things wrong, and that is why we are here. Well, I don't think they try very hard is the is the problem. Well, I think sometimes, but they want ratings and views, so they're like, oh, he's going to give you a nickname. So the, the the other thing, and this kind of plays in, it's it's like a, a, a self-fulfilling segue here, is the charlatanry, if that's a word, if not, we're making it one, the charlatanry of, of Republican. And Republicans, Republicanism, Republicans, politicians. Donald Trump uh, has said for years that he's a a billionaire, pays hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes. Oh, the most, the best taxes, the best, everything's the best, everything's the biggest. And when his taxes were released, we realized that, well, that, as we suspected, all lies, didn't pay any tax in 2020. In fact, got like a five and a half million dollar refund this wildly successful billionaire. So he's just a liar and a grifter and a charlatan. And this runs across Republican politics. But this this George Santos case in New York State is like even more egregious. It is remarkable. Because he lied about like 
everything surrounding his background. It is remarkable. And this was a report in the New York Times from December 19th. And uh, George Santos, of, of course, just elected to Congress on Long Island. And there's that narrow House majority. And, and he's a Republican. So he helped get that narrow House majority. And he, he ran his primary message when he was a candidate was that he's the full embodiment of the American dream. Yeah. And that he was running to safeguard this for other people. But he lied about his education. He lied about his work history. Multiple jobs. They're like, we have no, no, we don't know who this guy is. Yeah, he says he, or he's the first openly gay Republican. Is that is that right? That's right. Member of Congress. Yeah. And he claimed to have known people who died in the Pulse shooting. That has turned out to be a lie. He said he had several employees from him in his company who died in the Pulse nightclub shooting. Yeah. And. No. That has been adjusted now to where he is now saying that they uh, were going to work for his company. They were in the process, (laughs) in the hiring process, apparently. Yeah, I mean, this even extends to he claimed that he had... A, uh, a Friends of Pet United, a tax-exempt animal rescue group yeah. that saved thousands of pets. And there's no registered charity with that name, according to the IRS. Yeah, not only that, and maybe most egregiously, is he said that his family were Holocaust survivors that fled Ukraine to go to to Hungary or somewhere and then had to flee the Nazis and, and, and like go to Brazil or somewhere else. But he's called himself, now he's, now he's backing it down. He didn't call himself a Jew or Jewish. He called himself Jew-ish. Yeah, like Jew-ish. Yeah. Just, I mean, every element. And he's not fucking, he's not stepping down. No. Well, one, the Republican Party needs this fucking guy in there because they do have such a slim majority in the House of Representatives. If this was to go, because this was a traditionally blue seat held by by Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, but it's, this is emblematic of Republican politics. Here's a little bit more on Representative-elect George Santos. A confession from the Republican congressman-elect. If I disappointed anyone by resume embellishment, I'm sorry. Speaking out directly for the first time about allegations he fabricated his resume and life story, George Santos acknowledged to a New York radio host that he told a string of lies about his education and employment history. And I'm not going to make excuses for this, but a lot of people overstate in their resumes or... um, twist a little bit or ingrandiate themselves. I'm not saying I'm not guilty of that. In another interview with the New York Post, Santos admitted he did not have degrees from Baruch College and NYU, as he had claimed. I didn't graduate from any institution of higher learning. I'm embarrassed and sorry. We do stupid things in life. He also admitted he never worked directly for Goldman Sachs or Citigroup, despite frequently touting the credential while campaigning. When I first started in my career at Citigroup, I was told, oh, you're a really smart guy. Now, Santos says, a company he worked for called Linkbridge did business with those Wall Street firms. Santos also addressed scrutiny around his claims of Jewish heritage. On his campaign website, in a section now removed, he recalled his grandparents fleeing Jewish persecution during World War II. I am Catholic, he told the Post, because I learned my maternal family had a Jewish background. I said I was Jew-ish. And he said he lied about owning 13 properties, admitting he lives with his sister. But questions about his finances remain, including $700,000 he reported to have loaned his campaign, a claim that went unchecked in the radio interview Monday. The $700,000 you put into the election, was that your money? That is the money of that I paid myself through my company, the Boulder Organization. Understood. Oh, understood. Really getting to the bottom of it. So, yeah, well, uh, that that's the uh, the verbal equivalent of like <laughs> what? put pat in your hands together. All right, yeah. job well done. Interview over. Yeah, that perfect. settles that. Well, and it's concerning. This is actually one of the most concerning elements of this because the, fun, the money thing. Yeah, where is his money coming from? Because according to reporting from the Washington Post, he has acknowledged 
financial difficulties from the past that resulted in him owing thousands of dollars to landlords and creditors. So it's not clear how he went from being in a precarious financial situation to then having... Um, a spare $700,000 to loan himself. Right. Especially when, in this original reporting in the New York Times, they write, quote, He lent his campaign more than $700,000 during the election, during the midterm election, has donated thousands of dollars to other candidates in the last two years and reported a $750,000 salary and over $1 million in dividends from his company, the DeVolder Organization. Yet the firm, which has no public website or LinkedIn page, is something of a mystery. On the campaign website, Mr. Santos once described DeVolder as his family's firm, that managed $80 million in assets. On his congressional financial disclosure, he described it as a capital introduction consulting company, a type of boutique firm that serves as a liaison between investment funds and deep-pocketed investors. But Mr. Santos's disclosure did not reveal any clients, an omission three election law experts said could be problematic if such clients exist. So he's he's moving the goalposts here based on how much information is being uncovered, especially because he was asked in in one of these interviews uh, how his wealth has skyrocketed over the past several years. And he said that after different jobs he had, that he opened his own firm and, quote, it just worked because I had the relationships and I started making a lot of money and I fundamentally started building wealth. It's magic, y'all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just something it's magic. It's all nebulous. It's yeah. all moving of the goalposts once there's more information uncovered. And you cannot trust someone who has been every day waking up and misrepresenting their entire life. Telling huge lies that they then talk about, uh, categorize as, what did he say, uh, resume <laughs> embellishment. Yeah. Well, everybody twists a little bit on their resumes. Yeah, but saying you work for Citigroup or 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 these other massive financial firms. Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs mm-hmm. isn't a tiny little twist of the, the little uh, just, uh, embellishment. Yeah. It's a straight up lie. Saying you have a degree from NYU in another school when you don't even have an undergrad degree, that's a huge lie. Yes, and especially when they played that clip of him, and he's like, "Listen, when I started at Goldman Sachs, they said, hey, 'Hey, you're a smart guy.' Yeah. Like he's he's really going at it with his stories. Things that sound like they really happened. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that I thought was interesting is when he says, "Ah, we all do stupid stuff in life. That's something you say after decades have passed. Like, yeah, who fucking knows? What a dumb thing. Ah, you know, we all do stupid stuff. It's not the week after you do the stupid thing yeah. that you're just categorizing it as." Ah, that's a throwaway. <laughs> we all do stupid stuff. Oh, God. Yeah. Republican politics, 2022, everybody. Yeah. And, of course, the question of why didn't this come out before he was elected? I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. It, it is horrifying that someone can lie so extensively about their entire life and be elected. And then we're in a position for that person to turn around and say, no, I'm going to stay here. I, yeah. I know I lied to get here. But and that's what he's saying. It's not nah, nah. Yeah. I'm staying. It's fine. It's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and Republicans, because of the slim majority, they're not going to do anything. Yeah. I mean, the the thing that's yet to be seen is how dangerous will he be? He, this might just make him keep his fucking head down. Um, but who knows if he's this much of a narcissist fucking weirdo liar, he may become like a Marjorie Taylor Greene or a Lauren Boebert wanting all the attention because... There's been no consequence. Why not just keep up the charade? Yeah. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We had a lot of competition for Asshole of Today. A lot of competition. So this is, I mean, nearing Asshole of Today, but it's not quite Asshole of Today. And this was, I think it was CNBC. Which isn't great, by the way. Let me say this. Brittany and I have been talking about this the last few days. Is that if you're if you're your main source of reporting and the the topic that you cover is finance, like CNBC or Bloomberg or one of these, it's not great. Your takes aren't going to be great. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's maybe not here nor there. But 
What's the story about Brittany Page? Well, this is how financial news people talk about uh, the economy. and per- oh, So it is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's partic- <laughs> particularly how the economy apparently is not going to be in a great position because regular people, like, they have money to spend and they have job security. That's and so, the economy. Not great. Yeah, slogging. Slogging for the first six months. More slogging. Yes, Joe. Thank you for having me, and good morning, everyone. I do think it will be a slog for the first half, certainly, of 23. So people who are coming out of 22 with that exhaustion you were mentioning um, should get ready for some more. We think it's going to be a slog for the Fed. We think it's going to be a slog for the markets. You know, Carol mentioned the consumer. The consumer is just really still very strong. They have cash balances at the banks that are 30% above where they were pre-pandemic. Even when you look at the lower-income cohort, they're still 12 to 15 percent above where they were pre-pandemic. So they have cash to spend. They've certainly demonstrated a desire to spend. We're seeing that. What they're spending on is changing, and they're moving more to experiences than goods, but they're spending. And they have confidence to spend because the jobs market is about as good as we've seen in the last 40 or 50 years. So they have a job, and they have confidence that they can get another job if they need to. So that's a really tough nut for the Fed to crack when the U.S. consumer is 70% of the economy. And so we think this is going to take time. And this is going to be a real slog for the next eight to nine months. Yes, the market is a discounting mechanism and it will look forward, but we're not close to cutting. We're not close to pivot yet. And right now the market thinks we cut in November and that's just too soon. Who's the audience that she's talking to about being exhausted? If you're just exhausted coming out of 2022, Uh, I hate to break it to you, exhausted person, but it's going to get even worse. It's just going to keep dragging on into 2023, and here's why. Consumers have more money in their bank accounts. Consumers have more cash to spend, more confidence, more money in savings. And that is why you exhausted person. Who's the exhausted person? Because it's not the consumer who seems confident and cash flush. <laughs> I mean, it's a remarkable clip, right? Yeah. Like, I'm mean, seriously, who is it? Is she talking to Bill Gates? Like people who have all their money tied up in the stock market? I, that is fucking, I hadn't listened to that clip. Mm-hmm. It's radicalizing. What the enough? fuck is going on? Yeah. I mean, this is when people talk about that that we have a system that works to keep people poor because the system cannot survive without grinding people down and keeping yes. them in precarious financial situations. This is what they mean. Uh, the poor people in this country, the working class in this country, they work so that the rich people can consume CB, CNBC all day long. Yeah. <laughs> about how their stocks are doing. Listen, if you want to know why it's going to be a slog in 2023, it's because there's a strong job market and people have job security (laughs) and they have money and they're going to be buying products. And that is going to be a real bummer for you. Mm -hmm. And we're sorry. Yeah. They've gained some independence from the system and we're really scared. (laughs) They're starting to realize their power and we're scared. This leads us directly in, again, Beautiful, beautiful layout of the of the topics of the show today, Brittany Page. Thank you. Because th- this is a segue-free segue. We don't need to say anything, so I don't even know why I'm doing so. <laughs> Moving on. It's the asshole of today. The new UK Prime Minister... Rishi Sunak. Vol- By the way, uh, worth almost a billion dollars, like $850 million or pounds. Well, I tell you what, that's not going to be surprising information when we hear this clip, because yeah. <laughs> uh, this is what it sounds like when you have a rich person. Uh, how much money did you say? Sorry, I didn't commit it to memory. Nearly a billion pounds. Okay. $850 million or something like so that. So when someone with substantial wealth volunteers at a homeless shelter for the holidays, this is the kind of... This is the kind of conversation that the UK Prime Minister feels is going to be appropriate in this setting. Morning. I'm all right. How are you? What's your name? Yeah, that's right. I'm Rishi. What's your name? Dean. Dean. How are you? 
Hungry? Well, this is where we're getting to good breakfast. Thank you. Know, would you like some sausages? Some toast? Perfect. A couple of eggs? Yeah. Fantastic. Now, you've been here before, have you? I have, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a great place, isn't it? Yes. Superb job. Right, there's that. That's the part of it. Let me get with the bottle. Are you me out? Well, that is exactly what I'm trying to do. Exactly what I'm trying to do. Uh, what, what do you have? A, you, do you work in business? Do you want some no, I'm, I'm homeless. And I'm actually a homeless person. Wow. Really, but I'm interested in business. Yeah, what kind of business? Uh, I like finance. It's good for the city. And um, when finance and stuff's doing well, we'll do well, don't we, in London? So yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So I used to work in finance, actually. Yeah, I heard. Yeah. Ex-investment bank. Yeah, well, I did, I, did, I did lots of different things, but you're right. I think it, it, the good thing now is it's not just London. If you look at all the jobs in finance around the UK, the majority of them are outside of London now. Yeah. So it's spread across the UK. The law and the association. Yeah. Is that something yeah. you'd like to get into? Um, I wouldn't mind. Um, but I don't know. I'd like to get through Christmas, though. Yeah. What's the plan? What are you doing this weekend? Um, no idea. I'm hoping that the um, St. Mungo's can help me get into some temporary accommodation so I'm not on the street. Holy unrelatable Batman. Yeah. That is... Like, oh, you've been here before. Mm-hmm. He's establishing this person has eaten in this soup kitchen uh, or this 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 aid organization has been there before. Mm-hmm. Homeless. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you into business? Oh, mate, you like the business? Are you a business guy? Well, and the, the man literally responded, I'm homeless. Yeah. And then he continues. He's like, so are you, like, interested in working in finance? And he's like, well, I'm actually just trying to find a place to sleep tonight. Yeah. I mean, and this is uh, this is really the disparity that exists in understanding of what life is like for someone who is unhoused. Like, based on the stress of scarcity and, and the difficult situation that they are currently existing in, they don't have time to, like, figure out a long-term plan. There's no and, bandwidth like, for that. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, here's my long-term solution to get into business and have a job in finance. No, it's, where am I going to sleep tonight? Yeah. How am I going to get dinner? How am I going to survive the next day? The and next this, hour? And this billionaire dipshit, whose prime minister is, I, I mean, it's, how detached from fucking reality or with any in, uh, uh, ability at all to relate to another human being in a, a different set of circumstances that you find your than you find yourself right and and maybe this this prime minister or this rich guy thinks that he's like instilling hope in this man by by <laughs> talking about how he can get into business and he can get into finance and it's like no what he needs is someone to give him hope about the current situation that he's in and that he's going to be able to find stable housing and that he's going to have assistance with that. Not you standing over him and talking about, is he into finance? He has other things to worry about right now. Remarkable dumb fuck. Good job, United Kingdom. Yeah. Good job. Taking care of biz. Cheyenne Delmar and I think it's Mika Curry. Mm -hmm. And these are two Indianapolis women who saved a missing baby. Wait, 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 wait. The cops? No. No, the, the cops saved the baby. No. The cops. It was the cops. Cops protecting and serving, did all of the work, didn't get in the way at all. They did this. I don't know what the, who these ladies are. What? No, 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 no. <laughs> so this is crazy how yes. this story has been reported out. So this has been reported by the Indy Star, and the reason that we don't have a clip for this is because I listened to several news packages, and not one of them talks about the two women who worked to find this baby. They only talk about the police and they only show pictures of the police holding the baby. And the the women are actually in the background of these photos. Yeah. But the Indy Star did reporting and found that two women were critical in not only arresting the woman who kidnapped the baby, but also in finding the baby. So here's basically what happened. Okay. 
Cheyenne Delmar is the one who came into contact with the woman who kidnapped the baby, allegedly. Okay, let's call that woman May, because that's what she called herself when she was interacting with Cheyenne Delmar. So May is the alleged kidnapper of this baby. Now, two babies were kidnapped. They were twins. Hey, hang on. Hang on, Brittany. Allegedly. One of them was found, but one remained missing, and that was Kaysen Thomas. So Kaysen Thomas was missing. They're looking for this woman. They're trying to find this woman who's accused of kidnapping the baby. Well, Cheyenne Delmar decides to go and buy toys from a woman in a parking lot, and she purchases toys from May, and then agrees to give May a ride to another store. And then May starts acting erratically, so Cheyenne Delmar starts filming her and taking photos of her. And with those photos, she once she has left, she's like, wow, this actually looks like the woman who they're looking for, the kidnapper of mm. this baby. Yeah, yeah. And so she starts sending it to her friends, trying to verify, because she specifically said, like, I don't want to get someone in trouble unless I'm sure, you know. And so she verifies that, yes, this is the kidnapper. She gathers a consensus among her friends. (laughs) Thank you for playing that since I can't keep saying it. Just like it's a blanket, allegedly, as I'm talking, okay? Uh, Allegedly. And so they decide, uh, Cheyenne Delmar and now a friend gets involved, Mika Curry, and they decide, they come up with a plan. They're going to find the woman again and and call the police and have her arrested. So they're going to go after her. Yeah. And May ends up calling them and saying, hey, you want to buy more toys from me? And they're like, oh, perfect. This is like exactly lining up with our plan. Yeah, yeah. Let's get her to a store. We'll call the police and they'll come arrest her and we can, you know, have this be dealt with. Well, it doesn't go over as well because the police, as they're trying to call them, when they're all together, they're trying to get the police to come yeah. and arrest her. Come now. We know where she is. Here she is. Right. The police are, like, not understanding or, I, I don't know. They, they say in this article that the women struggled to get their point across that May was in their car, that the kidnapper was in their car, that they had her. That seems to put the onus on the women and not the cops for not understanding what the fuck is going on. Yeah, so they got frustrated in that instance and hung up. But then the police called when all of the women were in the car and they were nervous about, like, upsetting the alleged kidnapper. A fucking allegedly. And so... (laughs) I got a million of them. And so they pretended to be talking to a friend, but they indicated where they were driving. And so they said, you know, I-65 South. This allowed the police to conduct a traffic stop. And that's when May got nervous. And they still had to convince this police officer, no, we have the kidnapper. She is the kidnapper in the car. Allegedly. And this cop apparently was skeptical and was telling them that they should just take the woman to a shelter. Like, just take her to a shelter. Right. And they're like, no, she is the kidnapper. We got her. And there's still a kid missing. Yes, and there's still a kid missing. Right. So finally, they show the cops. They're like, look, here's the picture of her. And then he compared it with the mugshot. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, this looks like the kidnapper. So they took her into custody. (laughs) But not after convincing the cop. I mean, it took, you know. And all the pictures that they show and the headlines they show are cops recover baby kidnap victim and like cops do this, cops foiled the case, cops protect and serve, cops, 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 cops. Right, right. Well, no credit for the women. Well, guess what? They went further because they they decided, well, the baby is still missing and there's a winter storm that's about to roll in and the baby is out there somewhere. And so they went and they looked in the back seat and they found that May, the kidnapper, had allegedly had left a bus schedule. And they knew They meaning the women. Not the cops. They're not doing investigatory work. Yeah, the women. They found yeah. they found this bus schedule, and they knew that the kidnapper had been accused of driving a stolen Honda. And so they decided to trace the bus route and look for vehicles that were covered in snow, which would indicate the car hadn't been moved in a while because May wouldn't have been driving it for a while. Wow. And they, they started just kind of tracing this bus schedule. Like fucking detective work. They did detective work. And so they got a little hungry and decided to pull over at a Papa John's. Allegedly. And, oh, wait. No, that I don't have to do it there. And they, <laughs> and they see a Honda covered in snow, and they go look, at, and they see baby legs in the back. 
And so they run into uh, where they see some officers nearby at a restaurant and tell them about the baby and say, we found this car. It's right here in the parking lot. The baby is in there. And they go and get the baby. They say, we, we think this baby is here. And it's it's the baby. It's and the missing the cops, baby. And then the cops take credit for it. I mean, you're kind of rushing to spoil the, oh. the joyous moment that we're having here about the missing child being found. But yes. They tweeted a picture of the sergeant. I've got a perfect sound for that one, too. How dare you, sir? <laughs> they tweeted a photo of the sergeant holding the baby inside the Papa John's. And you can see Cheyenne Delmar in the background of that photo. Yeah. And like I said, in every single news package that I have watched about this when I was trying, because I didn't want to just sit here and recite the story for you. Number one, I'm not a great storyteller. Number two, I had to like... I think you did a great job. Memorize all the details of this story. (laughs) Uh, But I, I couldn't find one that talked about these women who, as you now know, did actual detective work and not only apprehended the suspect, got yeah. her arrested, but they found the missing baby. Yeah, it's interesting because it's 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 similar to situations where, like every police department has a PIO, a public information officer, like just a, like a, a, a press secretary. Mm-hmm. And news agencies, news outlets, Media organizations, oftentimes, just, it's practically copy and paste whatever the the police union has said or the PIO. Yeah. Like, we see this in the fentanyl cases. Yes, yes, yes. Like, oh, oh, it was a a desperate trying to save the life of this person because they were five miles downwind when some fentanyl got spilled out of the window. (laughs) Ah, It was crazy. (laughs) And they just, whatever the cops say, they just take it at face value. When time after time after time, year after year after year, decade after fucking decade, cops lie, police departments fucking lie, they take credit for shit, for work they didn't fucking do, and here's another instance of that. Yes. So the baby is okay. I don't know. So this is kind of a dual asshole of today and taking care of biz. Absolutely. Yeah. The, The baby is okay, and that is, I mean, entirely apparently, due to Cheyenne Delmar and Mika Curry. So yeah. kudos to those to those ladies and uh, definitely taking care of biz. We'd love to know what you think. We're going to wrap it up here. 657-464-7609. I'll say it again at a more normal human pace. 657-464-7609. We're also going to put this Indie Star story in the show notes. So if you want to go and check it out for yourself, you can. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We love you guys. If you are into it, if you're in a financial position to do so, you don't have to budget it in. We would love to invite you to help support and produce the show. Go to patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast, or you can go to dollamore.info and buy some merch. Every purchase goes a long way towards supporting the production costs and everything else associated with the show. We love you guys. We will see you next time. Until we do, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt.